0: How many of us, we may change a couple things if we knew Jesus was coming back. What if we knew Jesus was going to come back in the next hour? What would we be doing right now? Maybe some of us would be sending out text messages to friends, family. You better repent now. I don't know. But what if we knew the exact moment, date, time that Jesus would return. and that video, what I love about it is, would we change anything? Would there be anything that we would change in how we think and how we act? Would there be anything at all that we would have done differently maybe this week, maybe even just yesterday, if we knew, if we knew when Jesus was coming back? Our theme for the year, it is what we make it. And it's important that we put energy and effort into, and this morning, let's just say, turn to your neighbor and say, you look wonderful, neighbor. You look wonderful, neighbor. You know, life is truly what we make it. We know that the plan, the story, it's all written out, but the in-between, the day-to-day operations the nine-to-five way to work it for our money how many of us know god relies on us a lot that god uses us hands and feet in the earth and this year 2023 we are fully on our way almost you know halfway through the year it is life what we make it does that mean that we have bad days absolutely does that mean that we fall flat on our face yes does that mean that we say things we shouldn't have said yes all of us this morning have already screwed up 2023 but it doesn't matter really what happened yesterday it doesn't matter what happens this morning what hap what matters is what will we do what are we choosing to do the rest of 2023 our theme for this month is called Five, which in the Bible, the number five means grace, goodness, and favor. We are on a theme which is about Jesus, none other than Jesus. Why Jesus? Because in a couple of weeks, it's gonna be Palm Sunday. Three Sundays, it's gonna be Resurrection Sunday. And we are gonna eat chocolate bunnies, we're gonna have puff marshmallows, we're gonna have Easter egg hunts, we're gonna do all those wonderful things. But more important than all of those things, is we get to celebrate the greatest day of the year when Jesus rose from the dead. And why is that great? Jesus said, I rose, and so that you can rise as well. And when you die, and when you pass from this life, you have an opportunity to go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. The greatest thing in the whole entire world, one of the greatest miracles ever is the day that we accept Jesus into our life, and then we start... We start tasting heaven on earth as we prepare to go there one day. Most people who identify as Christians, believe it or not, it's kind of funny. You know, in, in America, the largest Christian population here in the United States, most people who identify as Christians, and we know that today people identify as a lot of things, right? This, this world is lovely and crazy. We know there's 72 genders, all those things. But we're just focused on Christians this morning. 53% people who identify as Christians, only 53% identify Jesus as a Savior. Now, wait a second. If, if isn't the basis of Christianity that Jesus died on the cross, that He's Savior— Believe it or not, people who say that they are a Christian or just take on the the label, the tag Christian, 53% say that Jesus is savior. 50% say that Jesus is the son of God. 21% say that Jesus is Messiah. 20% say that Jesus is Lord. 17% say Jesus is a healer. 14% say Jesus is a shepherd. And only 12% of Christians believe that Jesus is a true friend. 12%. It's crazy. Even the high ones, 50%, Son of God, Savior, Messiah, 21%. It's interesting because everyone has their own view and opinion of who Jesus is. And there are many religions across the board. They believe Jesus was somebody great every single religion they will admit that this man who was on the earth 2,000 years ago he was special the things that he taught the things that he did while he was here he was amazing but not every religion confesses that Jesus is Christ Lord and Messiah and again this morning it's really not important what everyone else thinks It's important what you think, because it is a personal relationship with God. And at the end of the day, no one's going to force you to go to heaven. No one's going to force you to follow after God. It's a decision that you yourself have to make. So it's important and nice that we know what other people believe. But the question this morning is, where does your heart believe? With that, we're going to go to our first text, and that is Revelation 316, if you want to pull out your papers this morning, we have some papers, I believe, that were passed out. And lately, whether it's a visual aid or a piece of paper, Revelation 3.16. And this is Jesus speaking to the Apostle John. And he says this, since you were like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Ouch. How many of us in th- this morning, as we start and as we begin, we get this picture really Easily. Because how many of us have ever had a relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife? Would we prefer a cold husband or wife, a lukewarm husband or wife, or would we prefer hot passionate, right? But why is it when it comes to our Christianity, it doesn't translate? We get it in ourself. We get what we want in our relationships, but is it what you're giving to Him? So this very first verse, Revelation three, sixteen, Jesus speaking to one of the churches in Revelation, he said, but since you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, and so as you look at the top of your paper, you see that I've got something that says hot, something that says cold. I didn't put anything in the middle, but it's a question to ask yourself. If I understand myself and I understand what I want as a person and in my relationship, is this what I'm giving my heavenly Father? This is what he expects of me. This is what I expect of my husband or wife. This is what I expect of my friends. But it's not what I expect of myself as a believer. Am I hot or am I cold? And then we're going to go to Mark chapter 8, 34. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. So, before this verse, I want to set up Peter. And Peter was having a conversation with the disciples, his brothers, and Jesus. And Jesus says to the disciples, who do people say that I am? Who do people, how do they look at me? How do they view me? And so Peter blurts out, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, you are correct. Peter, the rock, who the church is going to get built on. Then Jesus goes on to say something right after that. And he starts telling the disciples, I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'll be raised to life. Peter, feeling so good from the moment before, because remember, he answered correctly. And Jesus said, you're a rock, you're strong, you're buff, you're amazing, you're handsome. When Jesus told the disciples he was gonna die, they freaked out. So what did Peter do? It says he started to reprimand Jesus. It says that he pulled Jesus aside and he started to reprimand him. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be reprimanded. Do you? How many of us like to be corrected? How many of us wake up every morning and say, I hope I get corrected today, right? I hope someone hurts my pride today. Yes. But Peter, usually blurting out one of the very first things, he answers correctly. But then he pulls Jesus aside to reprimand the Son of God. He just said, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And then he felt comfortable reprimanding, trying to correct the Son of God. So then Jesus goes on to say, again, now that you heard that, he says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you have to give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, the sake of the good news, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? One of the things that we don't understand sometimes in life and spirituality, because as we're born, every single one of us, we're born with the same nature. I need to try and collect and gather as much as I can for myself In this life because life is short Jesus one of the things that he points out he didn't come to live what did he come to do he came to die we will never fully understand the gospel we will never fully understand the true meaning of life Jesus said if you set out to hang on to your life or to try to gain the world you will absolutely lose he said if you want to follow after me what is you put your third picture on there take up your cross which is a symbol sacrifice and death and giving life isn't about taking life is about giving it's about learning how to I how do I give up on myself so that I can find what the father wants to put inside of me if you try to hang on to our life Jesus said we will lose it and so this morning I started with two verses one of which Crazy amazing, but we get it because we are relational kind of people, hot or cold. Second one I read, something I think that's a little more difficult because we don't really truly want to wake up in the morning and say, how can I give up my life today? How can I carry my cross today? How can I be unselfish today? None of us. I mean, maybe there's one or two, right? That wake up and say those things. I'm going to carry my cross. I'm going to be unselfish. I'm going to let everyone walk over me. All of those things, right? See, Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, there's something real simple in the Bible that gets skipped over all the time. Do you know in, in Genesis to Revelation, there is no sinner's prayer in the Bible? Nowhere. You can't find the sinner's prayer. Now, you can, you can read Romans and what they call the Romans road that talks about praying, believing, and confessing. When Jesus, the son of God, was here, what did he say that we need to do? Follow after. And when he described to the s- disciples follow after, you know what he was implying? You give up 100% of everything that you think, feel, and you lay it down to take what I'm going to tell you. And you're going to believe and follow. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Now, interestingly enough, see, to me, Jesus, he is crazy. He's amazing. He's awesome. He's all of the things in my mind that if I wanted to believe in a God, believe me, this is it. Because Jesus, in our next story, Jesus this morning in this picture, Jesus, he is so full of love and grace and mercy he is the real deal and so there are hard things at times that we see in the bible that he's asking of us but when we understand the character of our god when we understand the character his love his goodness his grace and his mercy to me it just blows my mind so follow with me john chapter 8 we're going to go to verse 1 And so the question before we pull up this text is, if we believe in the Bible, John, from Genesis to Revelation, if we believe in the Bible, should we pick who God is? Should we pick who Jesus is? Or does he want us to accept him for who he is? Should we be picky people? Should we be picky Christians? Now, when we all go out to eat, we can be as picky as we want to be, right? Now, if you're at home and mama's cooking, don't be picky, just eat it, right? Just do what mama says. When you're out to eat and you're paying for it, that's a whole other story. You, can, you have the right to be a little picky if you're going to pay for it. Be sweet and kind, of course, but be a little picky. Do we have the right as, as people to pick and choose in the Bible what we want in our Heavenly Father or if the Bible is absolutely true from Genesis to Revelation does he want us to accept him and so there are things in here that are hard to understand there's things in here that Jesus says that are that is feel so good and his reckless love and all of those things but at the end of the day we truly must take time to understand him and I think this story it's crazy there's so many twists and turns in this story but I. I really think that this paints a great picture of who our God is. John chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, and if it's not on the screen, I apologize, my tablet's acting funny. One second. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, John 8, verse 1. Early the next morning he was back again to the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. "'Teacher,' they said to Jesus, "'this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says we should stone her. What do you say?' They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down, he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again, and he said, "'All right. But let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again, and then he wrote in the dust. Verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman, and then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And so this morning as we outline this, this text, before we get into our main points, it says that Jesus, he sat down and he began to teach. Doing what he, he loves to do, teaching, helping, healing people. He's just being sweet and innocent. Just like all of us in here in, in the moment, how many of us, most of the time we're, we try to be sweet innocent, peaceful, all those things, Jesus has a crowd around him and it says that he sits down to preach to the crowd, but then, turn your neighbor and say, but then, man, those religious people showed up again. You know how those religious people are. The religious people in the story, these are men who studied the Bible, they studied the Old Testament law, and they studied the traditions. So for these men who studied the religious, they studied the Old Testament and the rules and the traditions. And for them, those three things, super important. The law, the rules, and the traditions. Laws, rules, and tradition. These men, it was so important to them. But it says they came out to trap, to attack Jesus, and what did they do to trap Jesus? They wanted to publicly humiliate somebody else. This morning as we begin to outline this story, you're going to see that there's a difference between religious people, between humans, mankind and God himself. Jesus in this story, he paints a picture of exactly who his heavenly father is. Jesus in this story, he paints a very vivid picture of who God is, how God loves, in comparison to how human love is in response to humans and even religious people sometimes. We see that the religious, they wanted to make a point. How did they want to make a point? by embarrassing somebody else. They didn't care who they hurt. The religious people did not care who they embarrassed, who they hurt. They didn't care. They only wanted one thing, and that was to bring Jesus down. It's amazing. Sometimes we forget there is such an attack on truth. There is such an attack on the real truth of the Bible, of Jesus Christ. And every single time Jesus had a conversation with the Pharisees, with the religious, what did they do? They were trying to bring him down. We love this. We love what Jesus does. And so how did they make a point? They're trying to embarrass somebody. They asked Jesus, here's a woman caught in the act of adultery. The Old Testament law says that we should throw rocks at her and kill her. Now interestingly enough, here's the girl, but they didn't bring out the guy. So the guy, he was probably one of their coffee donut buddies. We don't want, we're going to leave him alone because we're going to see him for donuts and coffee tomorrow, but we don't mind hurting the girl, right? And so interestingly enough, they bring out the girl. At the same time, there was Roman law at this time they could not kill this person without consulting with the Romans. So for them to even bring this up without consulting with the Romans, they were totally in the wrong. They were totally in the wrong because they didn't consult the Romans, and they only wanted to bust one person. But how many of us know it takes two to tango, right? How many of us know it takes two to tango? And so they asked Jesus, hey, We've totally humiliated this young lady. We want to kill her. What should we do? Jesus doesn't say anything. He pauses, becomes silent. You know, sometimes when there's an attack against us, the very best thing to do like Jesus in the situation, shut up and be quiet. Shut up and be quiet and, and be silent. Now that's one of the things sometimes I'm not good at, right? I don't know if you all are good at, if someone, you know, you feel attacked, do you, do you bring out the claws, you know, or the sword or the spear or the shield, whatever it may be, maybe a rifle, a cannon, a bazooka, but Jesus paints a very good picture. When someone is attacking you, we see this so often in Jesus when the religious came after him, when they asked a the question, did he respond in what they were asking for? Absolutely not. Sometimes he would respond with a different question. Sometimes he wouldn't respond. In this instance, when he was asked, what did he do first? He didn't say anything. He went down to the ground. Jesus got into the dirt, and it says he started drawing, painting. We don't know, but with his finger, he started doing something. I personally think, you know what he did? He started writing out the names of the people who were talking and accusing And so Jesus, he's doing his thing, he's writing something on the ground, and then he stands up. He says, okay, all right. If you're without sin, go ahead and throw a rock. If you feel that you have the right to be all judgy, if you feel that you have the right to point your finger, if you feel that you have the right to publicly embarrass and hurt and shame someone. If you feel honestly deep in your heart, mind, and soul that we should throw rocks at this person, then the first person who's perfect, go right ahead. Now, there was only one man there who was perfect. It's Jesus who's playing in the dirt, right? Jesus who was right in the ground. And so he says, go ahead. Notice the first response was not anything that these guys were expecting. Spiritually, sometimes what God tries to teach us, stop opening your mouth and speaking the first thing that comes out, because usually it's wrong. Wait a minute. Wait on God for a second. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Whether we're attacked, whether we're in a hard situation, usually, almost ninety nine point nine 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 percent the right thing to do before we act. Pause. Breathe. (gasps) We're not doing yoga. Just take a breath. And then ask God for help. God, help me in this situation. And so he says, hey, if you're perfect, go ahead and throw a rock. So then he goes to write in the dirt again. And you know what I think he does? He write. I think he wrote their name, and then I think he wrote one of their sins. And slowly, one by one, they all started to walk away. Because in this moment, they thought, we're going to take down this guy. They were so jealous of Jesus. They were so jealous. Why were they jealous of Jesus? Because he was powerful, but he was nothing like them. He was so loving and kind and gracious, nothing like the religious leaders. Men who had spent their life reading the Old Testament, they missed the story altogether. They got the traditions. They understood the festivals the jewish people they are amazing at holding festivals every year and they love their festivals and traditions they're wonderful awesome but they could not see jesus as messiah because he was so opposite in their mind he was so different than what they expected many like many people in our world today they can't accept jesus fully because he's different than what i expect in this situation and in this moment jesus he's being confronted he's being attacked he doesn't respond right away he's quiet he pauses he's in the dirt everyone walks away and he says to this young lady where are your accusers they're gone jesus says neither do i accuse you either go now but most importantly, sin no more. Jesus paints this wonderful picture of God Himself and what He's willing to do for mankind. What He's willing to do. See, how many of us have ever been at a low point in life? How many of us have ever been in a situation that, that we are, yes, we're hard on ourselves, we're hard on other people, we feel like nobody likes us, loves us, we need chocolate ice cream and bonbons, we need all those things. In our deepest need, it's God who comes through every single time. At every single moment when it is, seems like it is dark and the light's never gonna come out, when, when it seems like everyone is against us, everyone's against me, it is Jesus, it is God who comes through every single time. Here is a person, the Old Testament law said should be killed. Jesus, wouldn't he defend the law and say, yes, let's kill this person? But God himself, he changed a woman's heart in this story forever, forever and ever and ever he didn't come out and just start judging he didn't come out and just start speaking and blurting out he could have said the sins of everyone standing in that whole group right there jesus knows all of our mistakes right most of the time we understand our own mistakes jesus in this moment he could have blurted out every single person's sins thoughts everything but what did he do in the moment he defended a young lady And he exposed the religious he defended this person and he got in the dirt because we came from the dirt right he got down in the dirt whatever he did in the dirt he was willing you see god is willing to meet you exactly where you are no matter how dark no matter how crazy no matter how weird we are and all of us let's admit it we all can be a little weird Jesus was so radical. He was so loving, kind, gracious, forgiving. He was firm, strong, and yet powerful. This story paints us a vivid picture of God compared to religious. And so this morning, a couple questions. One is, I don't know about you, but have have you ever been turned off by a religious person? Has there ever been a Christian you said, please, Jesus, I don't ever want to be like that person you know I don't ever ever want to be like that have you ever thought to yourself I do not want to be like that person I don't want to sound like that I don't want to look like that I don't want to talk like that I don't want to be like that you could get behind Jesus because he was real he was the real deal his love was so powerful and so intoxicating every person who does not like religion and crazy things out there could all get behind Jesus because he was so loving and gracious and he was real. He was. But at the same time, what many of us do is we don't realize that we ourselves can be religious at times. We're bothered by the religion in other people, but we don't see the religious attitude in ourselves. Jesus had to come to reverse the curse. Jesus came to reverse the curse. You see, the Bible says that we're born, when, when we all were born, when mom and dad did what they had to do, we came out and here we are, right? Romans, Paul says, we're all born sinners. We're people who were born selfish. God had to come to show us a different way. Because honestly, and I forgot to tell you my title this morning, is called Stuck in the Mud. Turn your neighbor and say, Stuck in the Mud. You see, honestly, when we don't realize it, Every one of us in life, mentally, physically, spiritually, at times, we get stuck in the mud of life. We do. And if we get left to ourselves, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is about us, we're so wonderful, and it, you know we're just such amazing people, but when boredom gets in, boredom sets in, when we are just left to ourselves, usually we start making wrong decisions. And what we don't realize is people, just like the religious, they were good guys. They thought they knew the Bible, but they weren't loving, and they weren't kind, and they weren't forgiving. They weren't any of those things. Jesus came to show mankind exactly what love looks like. And sometimes today, I have to admit that we as people, we paint a bad picture of what God looks like. Churches sometimes we do, we paint a bad picture of what God looks like. We make mistakes. How many of us have ever made a mistake before? So the question is, if you get frustrated, mad, and angry with Christians who make mistakes, if you make some, why don't you hold yourself accountable? You want to hold other people accountable for their mistakes, are you holding yourself accountable as well? we paint such a bad picture as christians sometimes because without realizing it no matter what god has done for us no matter how much we believe and how much we think we believe if we're not careful we ourselves become religious that religious spirit is such a horrible horrible religious spirit do we ever listen to ourselves this morning do we ever look in the mirror and just listen to how we talk to people how we talk about other people We want to help people. We want to save the world, but when you're not around, I'm going to talk about you, right? How many of us? Let's be really honest. Sometimes, sometimes in church, and this should be the place where we're honest, let's be honest this morning. How many of us really talk about other people all the time? And are we doing it in a positive way that is helpful and honorable to them, or are we talking about their dirt? but yet we aren't judgmental. Oh, we don't gossip. We're just talking about Sue and little Johnny for no reason, right? Do we ever listen to ourselves? The picture that that God will make paint this morning is, do we honestly listen to ourselves? Because we know what we think about other people. We know what we think about other people. The religious people in the story, they use the Bible as a weapon. They were trying to, to bring up a law to Jesus, th- to the man who wrote the law. They were trying to control and manipulate Jesus with saying, Should we not take rocks and kill this person? This was the man who wrote the law. This was God who had given the law to the people of Israel. And today there's many, there are many pastors, there are many churches who use this book to manipulate, control people. They do and to put others down and it's a tragic it's a tragic story because there are people who misquote and use us there are many husbands you know the old days there's this wonderful verse in here that says you know wives should commit to their husbands so how many men you know for a long long time they used to take that verse and and just whack it over wife's head submit they forget the part where it says but should love her as Christ loves the church which is unconditionally sacrificially giving absolutely everything in love and it's sad that sometimes we use the Bible as a weapon now I've done this before I'm sure some of you have as well and again I think you have as well but we don't see when we use it as a weapon we just see it when other people use it as a weapon sometimes we have to take a step back to see the hypocrisy in ourselves. And this story and in this, this picture that Jesus is living in this moment, he's, a, he's painting a picture of mankind and the difference between the two. And he's showing the need, why we need to follow after him to break certain things in mankind that are just wrong. Look at our world today. How much hate do we see? How much violence do we see? How many bad things that are just happening all over the world? It's bad, and it's horrible. You know, in this story, we see the Pharisees and the religious leaders. One of the things that they did was they tried to hold someone captive by their words. Now, a question I have and I've, I know i said that quite a few this morning, but the question I have for you is, does God view us for who we used to be? Does God view us for who we are now? Or is God continually looking ahead to what we can be? The woman in the story, caught in the act of adultery, she's having an affair. Again, we didn't bring out the man, but we're going to leave that alone for now. Did Jesus say, you are horrible, rotten? No. Why? He didn't see her for who she was. He didn't see her for what she did. He didn't see her for what she was in the moment. He only saw what she could be if she gave her life to him. Then why do we hold people to their past mistakes? Why do we hold people even to their present mistakes? God does not hold past and present. God continually is looking ahead to what we can be. God sees every day what you can be in him if you just follow after. I apologize this morning. I don't have words on the screen. It's kind of like the old days. Matthew 7.1. If you have your Bibles, though, I encourage you, you can read along. Matthew 7, 1, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on unholy people. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls and they'll turn and attack you. Interestingly enough, you know what I love about what he just said right there? He's talking about being judgmental. He's talking about being rude. And then at the very end, he talks about trampling pearls with pigs, which is just a gross picture in itself. But what he's painting is, it's honestly how you treat people And you can be as sweet, kind, loving as you want to, but if you are judging other people and their dirt, you are wrong. If you ever judge a Christian, if you ever judge any religious person, if you ever talk about anyone when they're not in the room, when you are judging and condemning them to hell with their sins and their dirt, and never bring up your dirt, we all got dirt. But how can we never talk about our own dirt? If we're going to grow as people, we have to be real and honest to talk about only our dirt and nobody else's. See when I was a young person, my first car, I was privileged to have a small Jeep, a little Samurai Suzuki, Ha! Ah. and two times in the same week, and it's similar to like this year with when we had a lot of water and rivers flowing. So me and my friends, we were knuckleheads. We're out cruising around in the Indian reservation. We said, let's go, you know, take the Jeep, we're gonna go drive through the river, right? And it was flowing four feet deep. And so we're out having fun. Of course, we're all in good spirits and you know, sober and all those things. And so we're taking my car. The first one we go through, the water was on over the hood. Now samurai Suzuki, it's a little smaller than normal jeeps, right? But still we get through the first river no problem Waters coming like i said across the hood we get to the second one and it's shorter it's no problem right if we made it through that one man we're going to make it through this one make it through the river but as i started climbing up on this hill i ran into some mud i ran into some mud ball tires even though a four-wheel drive steep hill didn't work very well. I got stuck in the mud, even though I made it through two little rivers. I had to pay $300 to someone to come tow me out. A few days later, me and my knucklehead friends were having fun again. I don't know if you've heard of Massacre Canyon. Again, it was a wet winter. We decided, let's drive up Massacre Canyon in the car, in the Jeep. As soon as we get under the bridge, as soon as we get under the bridge, it's like hitting quicksand stuck in the mud again, twice in the same week. And it's not fun when you're like 18 years old and you got to give up every penny you have in your account to someone to tow you out because you're driving your car to places they shouldn't go. This morning, Jesus, God himself, he paints the picture. What many of us do every single day, we get stuck in the mud with our mouth. It runs the places it shouldn't go. It says things about other people, they're dirt, that we don't need to talk about, but we bring it out like we should. Jesus Christ himself, this is why I love God. This is why I love the Bible, because when you read it and you truly understand the God that we can know and serve in here, it is mind-blowing how good he is. It is mind-blowing how amazing the teaching, the principles, every single situation that he laid out in this book. But no matter how much we've read it, kind of like the religious, how many of us have been stuck in the mud? We see everyone else's religious mistakes. But are you seeing your own? Do you use it to control and manipulate people? Or are you using the word just for your personal growth? It's a personal relationship. Personal relationship. Our theme this month is called Five. And the number five in the Bible means goodness, grace, favor, goodness, grace. Favor, and so my closing verse this morning is: We're going to start to wrap up this morning. Mark twelve twenty nine. Jesus replied, "The most important commandment is: Listen, O Israel, O hamet the valley in Hemet, The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important: Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so, as you bring out your picture this morning, one last time, we see this morning." Then on the very top, I know they kind of squished them in there together, but it is what it is. At least you can get a kind of an idea. At the very top, it says hot. Right below that is a picture of an icy ocean, and then you see a cross, and then you see dirt, and then you see stones. No matter, happen, no matter what happens in this life really simply God gave us the greatest commandment to love him with all of our heart, mind and soul and to love our neighbor, every neighbor in our neighborhood, out of our neighborhood as ourselves. Jesus said everything can be summed up with these two things, loving him and loving people with everything that we have. It will not happen if we don't take up our cross and follow after him every single day. You know my offering verse this morning <clears throat> James talked about if there's somebody who has a need and you don't meet that need he said then I have to question do you really have faith? How many of us know that there are there is a valley that has needs. It's not just, you know, one two, you know, here in our body, we all have needs in here as well. But does God view us Does God ask us to talk about the needs or does he think that we should do something about it? There's something in action. There's something in serving. There's something that when you know your church, it's not a plug for tithes and offerings, I'm just saying, when you know that maybe the church has a need, there's action in doing something about it. When kids need something, We can talk about, for example, how many of us would love it if we're home and it's still kind of chilly and the heater's broken. If we were to talk every single day, when are we going to fix the heat? When are we going to fix the heat? Would that help any one of us or finding a way to get it fixed? We always talk about what's broken, but what are we doing to fix it? Should we spend our time on brokenness and others' brokenness? Do we need God to, like, speak with a microphone from heaven, this is what you need to do? Or is God putting broken things in your life so that you can do your part to fix them? James says, don't talk about it. Show me. Show me what you believe so stuck in the mud this morning we're going to wrap up and we are going to pray you all are wonderful of course look amazing this morning i want to encourage you there's only a few short weeks left to resurrection sunday to read you know the book of john is a great place to read in this month it's a great place to just open up to john chapter one and just start reading that beginning story until the end of, of john and seeing what happened to Jesus seeing what Jesus went through see the things that Jesus did see how Jesus was to me Jesus he is crazy amazing Jesus and God is everything that I'm looking for Jesus and God are everything that I need every single day this is what heals brokenness this is what heals the crazy parts of our world if we could just simply take his story and translate it into our own not being picky and choosy what I, this is what I like about him this is what I don't like about him we can do that with our spouses right but when it comes to God himself let's stop being so picky let's stop being so picky and accept every single thing that he is he wasn't religious he wasn't condemning He wasn't pointing the finger. One of the things that Jesus said he did is he was full of truth and full of grace. And how many of us have ever told someone when they're wrong? What did Jesus do to this young lady in this story? And this is, I will close with this, I promise. But after he said, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone. He says, neither do I accuse you. What did he say at the very end? Go and sin no more grace and truth working together is the most powerful combination Jesus was so graceful and he was so graceful to the point that our heart was willing to accept the truth we have to be a hundred percent graceful sometimes before someone will ever hear the truth do we want to see change grace and truth together a hundred percent let's pray.